welcome to a very special edition of The Third Wheel in celebration of International Women's Day. I'm Mel Devenham, an Environment, Planning and Communities Partner at Herbert Smith Freehills. And for regular listeners, you'll know that I'm normally joined by Tim Stutt, but today I'm flying solo so we can have not one, but two leaders in the legal profession join our discussion. Before I introduce our guests, what is International Women's Day all about? For over a century, the 8th of March has been a global day to shine a light on the social, cultural, economic and political achievements of women. It's also a day marking the call to action for equality at an accelerated pace. Every year there's a theme and for 2022, it's break the bias. Imagine a gender equal world, a world free of bias, stereotypes and discrimination, a world that's diverse, equitable and inclusive a world where difference is valued and celebrated. Together we can forge women's equality. Collectively, we can all break the bias. So that's this year's theme. International Women's Day is purposefully a day for all. And I think this year's theme in particular certainly leads itself to a broader discussion of diversity and inclusion, but through the gender lens. Now, without further ado, let me introduce our guests and champions for equality. Rebecca Maslin-Stanage and Andrew Pike. Rebecca is a partner in our Sydney corporate practice and a leading Australian and international dealmaker. But very importantly, Beck is the chair and senior partner of Herbert Smith Freehills and the first woman to hold that role. I know she's a role model to many, both within and outside our organisation. And Andrew Pike. Andrew is an executive partner responsible for leading Herbert Smith Freehills in Asia and Australia. Andrew is a strong advocate for diversity and inclusion in the legal sector and beyond, including through the Australian Managing Partners Diversity and Inclusion Forum and being a workplace gender equality agency pay equity ambassador. I'm really thrilled that we could make diaries work um, and you're both able to join me today actually on International Women's Day. So thanks, Beck and Andrew. Hi, Mel. Pleasure. Yep, thanks for having us. Now, Tim and I had gotten into the habit of starting each episode of the podcast with a personal reflection on ESG. Um, in the context of International Women's Day, I thought I'd mix that up a little and perhaps hone in on the S and the G. Yeah. So, Beck and Andrew, can you share why diversity and inclusion is important and what it means to you? Andrew, yeah. do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I'll, I'll kick us off. I mean, I think from my point of view, it's it, it gets pretty personal, right? I think for me, you know, as a leader, you know, I think one of my key roles is to create a work environment that's truly inclusive, where everybody can get ahead in their career, irrespective of their um, gender, um, ethnic background, or any other sort of um, personal trait. So for me, it's about sort of creating that environment that's free of bias and prejudice, and eliminating sort of gender bias is a key part of that. So that's pretty fundamental. Probably a second piece for me, and this is probably the the cold sort of business part of it is when I think about the you know the proportion of law graduates that are that are women. I think when I sort of looked at some stats the other day, I think it's getting up around sort of two thirds of the law graduates in Australia are women. Um, and so we need um, to make sure that our sort of uh, work environment is appealing to to women, um, that where they can it's, it's a strong attractive force, also where they can you know, further their career in um, a great way. So for me, that's a couple of reasons why this is a really important topic. So thanks for the question, Mel. 
And Mel, my 19-year-old daughter is one of those law students on the way through the system. And, you know, it does really focus the mind when I look at her in her career and when I was at that stage. And I'm actually excited that it's, it's kind of a lot better now. There's still a way to go, but she really inspired me on, I guess, the E of ESG when I've told some people the story, but when she asked me to help her choose a super fund and I thought she'd be interested as I would have at the same age in return and all that kind of thing, she goes, no, that's not really on my list. It's just about making sure I invest in someone who's not going to ruin the planet. But she applies that as does her generation to the S and the G as well. And I think that that generation kind of inspires me about just looking at the world in a different way and kind of coming from this starting assumption of everything should be fair. And I certainly didn't think that an equivalent stage, but I think that that's how that generation sees things. And you know what? They're completely right. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? Um, I can't imagine having a daughter entering the career and being at the place where you're at, Beck. um, you know, uh, it, it really is an achievement um, to be the first female chair in our um, splendid 150-year history. And from a personal perspective, I was so pleased to see you in that role and oh, continue. <laughs> well, it's demonstrating um, in action there are no limits, so think big. Um, I think that has um, had a big impact on lots of people, hopefully your daughter as well. Um, but, um, you know, that's not the experience for women across the board. And in 2021, we certainly saw gender issues hitting the headlines on repeated occasions. Um, I'm thinking of courageous women like Grace Tame, uh, Brittany Higgins, Christine Holgate. There are many others who have become household names. And um, we're really hearing with great urgency that call for action on safety, respect and equity. It feels to me... um, Potentially, like never before, that there is a shift. Uh, Diversity, equity and inclusion, they're no longer nice to have, they're must-haves, they're expectations from society and our clients as well. Um, So, Beck, I'd be interested in your thoughts on whether you're starting to see lasting change and if there are other hurdles to gender parity that are apparent to you. Sure. Look, I do think that we've had quite dramatic change and I think it will be lasting change and I look across the industry you know I was one of many women who were elected or promoted into senior roles at about the same time and you do get this sense of critical mass and inspiring one another in that environment And something that has really helped me, and I've felt this change during the course of my career, and I think it's got so much further potential, is as there have been more and more female general counsel and female directors around the board table, it's been a lot more normal to have a female M&A lawyer, you know, and to maybe depart from that stereotype where people might think, oh, we've got a big takeover it'll be an aggressive male Uh it just sort of normalizes it and that's kind of the flip side of unconscious bias when you have got critical mass of people there in the industry thinking well I'm a bit more open-minded about what our advisors look like 
that becomes contagious and that has really helped me and I just can't help thinking that's going to get better and better. So I'm actually optimistic as to where we are and particularly as to the future. Yeah, I, I think that's that's right and it's that combination of um, seeing things that you haven't seen before but also I think, um, you know, really strong advocacy from men and Andrew, yep. I'm going to swing, swing into you yeah. here because I, I know that you're passionate about diversity and inclusion and um, that plays out within our organisation but also through those forums that I mentioned before that you participate in. When I think about the legal profession, there are obviously structural issues, I think, that historically have led to outcomes that aren't ideal for women, um, but not just for women, for, for people that are different. Um, over the past decade, we've broadly seen the take-up of a number of important changes and initiatives to better support outcomes, something you have things like paid parental leave, which there just isn't a question about that anymore, mm -hmm. and it's it's not just for women, it's for everyone, um, as well as gender targets. So, Andrew, do you think we're starting to see lasting change regarding the progress of women in the legal profession and generally um, the profession becoming more diverse and inclusive? Yeah, th thanks for the question, Mel. Um, I'm, like Beck, I'm an optimist. Um, I think we are seeing, um, uh, you know, starting to see change. Um, we can't be complacent, but probably a few sort of touch points that give me sort of confidence that we are sort of headed in the right direction is firstly, you know, we've got a lot of great senior female role models, whether that's Beck as our senior partner, you know, the Chief Justice of the High Court, um, Juliana Warner, our sort of great partner who's been the immediate sort of past president of the Law Society in New South Wales. Yeah, role models are really important. And I think, um, you know, we didn't have that in the days when I was coming through, so we can't underestimate that. The second piece, and you touched on it sort of um, in the introduction, is sort of I sit on this um, Managing Partners Diversity and Inclusion Forum, and what gives me a lot of store there is we are seeing that as a very collaborative environment, right? It's an environment in which we all want to learn from each other, we all want to get better, and we want to lift um, the position of the profession in terms of gender and, and broader sort of diversity and inclusion. So, you know, when you've got the force of, of all the major law firms and the broader profession behind it, um, I think that's a really sort of important piece and will will continue to, 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 to show, show dividends. Uh, and, and the third thing that, and this is probably bringing it down to HSF specifically, you know, I think we've got the systems in place um, to make this more mainstream. Um, you know, we are not uh, having discussions these days around the why, you know, why gender parity or broader diversity and inclusion is important. That's a given. What we are very much focused on is how we get better. Um, and, you know, the data that we're getting and the data that we track you know, is rather promising. You know, we don't have a, um, a gender pay gap for like-for-like -like roles. Um, you know, we seem to be doing well in terms of partner promotions. So there are a couple of um, sort of good things that give me confidence. You know, it's still work to be done, so we can't be complacent. But but like Beck, I'm optimistic on, on the topic. And I think all, all of those things that you mentioned start to change culture. Um, and mm -hmm. so it, it does become embedded, right, and people don't question um question things that would be so abnormal now to think uh, about a world where where we're not actively supporting um, women in, in senior positions. Um, you've both been in the profession for a very long time and um, 
you know, being a, a professional services organisation that law firms are, we have the benefit of interacting with a whole range of different organisations. Um, so I'd like to pick your brains on organisational culture a little bit. Um, you've spoken a bit about what we're seeing at HSF, but, but do you have any observations on the hallmarks of a culture where unconscious and conscious bias are recognised and called out? Shall I have a go at that one? I'm really big on encouraging everyone to bring their full self to work and to say what they really think and reminding you know, our juniors, our business services team, people who might be inclined at times to hold back and let others speak. Now, we want to know what you think. We've got you in our firm because we want your view. And if you have a culture where people feel comfortable to say what they really think and not to feel like they're going to be criticised or judged, then that's a great environment for tackling unconscious bias because if people see it they're not afraid to to say that but also you genuinely do have a culture where you value diverse perspectives and people really enjoy that culture so I, I think it's really important to remind all people from the most senior to the most junior that we want to know what they think and there'll be no adverse consequences if they tell us exactly what they think. And it's not just the good stuff, right? It's the yeah. it's the warts and all. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I was going to come in on that, Mel, just to probably make a couple of points. I think, you know, Beck makes a good point around people speaking up, but I think the flip side of that is that people listening, so the recipients of that, you know, being curious as to, well, I don't actually have the answers on this. I want to understand what is... A better way to do things. Um, so I think important that sort of it's not just the speakers, it's the listeners. And the second piece sort of going to the warts and all, I, I think, you know, a hallmark of a, of a good, strong culture here is one where you're happy to have a bit of sunlight on your dirty laundry and you're happy to sort of just see that as, well, not a judgment that you're doing poorly, you know, even if that is the case, but an opportunity to get better. And, you know, I think when I look at so the way we've sort of tried to do that in some areas, even the targets on sort of, um, you know, partnership, uh, you know, women in the partnership, you know, all that stuff I think is good, right? Um, you might not always hit those targets, but the fact that you're sort of vulnerable enough to um, to sort of try and see how can we get better and how do we use sort of tools like that to get better, that's a really important um, hallmark of, of, of an inclusive culture from my point of view. So... Today is important because it's an opportunity to celebrate women's achievement um, and certainly there's a lot to celebrate. Um, but also it, it is that um, that vulnerability, right? It, it's acknowledging that there is still bias and there is still cause for um, taking action for equality. So as a final question, um, the theme this year is break the bias and I wanted to know what the two of you are planning to do during the course of the next 12 months um, to, to try and fulfil the aim of this year's International Women's Day. Now, I'll give you a moment to think about that very big question um, yes. and, and share my personal commitment. Um, and, and, Andrew, it kind of picks up on that point around listening. Um, I've got the benefit of a very supportive home and work environment, and I think 
when you're in that environment, it can be quite easy to let your focus slip um, or you can be blinkered to issues because they're not playing out for you directly day in, day out. Um, so my commitment is being awake and alive, uh, checking my bias, ensuring that I'm actively listening, being educated about the experiences of others and trying to be um, that sort of fearless questioner of decisions yeah. to bring a bias to the to the fore if it's there. Yeah, good. Um, Andrew? Uh, I'll come in. Yeah, and you've given me a bit of time to think about it, so thank you. Uh, pro probably two things from my point of view. I mean, the first, and we touched on it a bit earlier, is I'm passionate about continuing to give oxygen to the ideas of everybody in the organisation. You know, the last year or so, we've had this great sort of um, initiative of a people forum. Um, and before that, we had things like, you know, reverse mentoring, things like that. But we've got to make sure that everybody in the organisation has a voice and that we pay attention to that. Um, and the second piece, which is probably more COVID specific, is I'm keen to make sure that as we come out of the, the health imposed sort of strictures of, of COVID and we get into a better operating rhythm or a new operating rhythm of, of work, that some of the benefits that we saw through COVID, um, including for, for working mothers and working parents and flexible uh, working, that we don't lose that. Um, you know, it would be a shame if for some reason we went back to the way the world was beforehand. Um, so for me, it's about, you know, when we think about what the, the next year holds, trying to get clear that some of that stuff has to, has to remain a part of who we are. So thanks for that. And for me, I mean, partly it's about calling it when I see it in terms of unconscious bias, because I sometimes do see it and it's really, it's probably the more powerful now that I've got the title of, of senior partner to do that. So I got to utilise that full force. And I also really like to support women who I see going on parental leave or coming back and, you know, give them a few hints and tips as to how to turn things that might be challenges into opportunities and deal with some of the issues that they overcome. So that will be a continued focus for me. And, of course, reminding everyone on our team, we do want to hear what you think. Don't be afraid and we'll listen to you. They're fantastic commitments. Um, and, Beck, I'm going to try and take a leaf out of your book as well call it when you see it. Um, but thank you, Andrew and Rebecca, for joining me today. It was a fantastic discussion. I really enjoyed it. Keeping with precedent on the third wheel, I'm going to close out the episode with an interesting fact in the world of ESG. And in the spirit of International Women's Day and No Limits Aspirations, why not turn to space? While female astronauts have flown for years with cosmonaut Valentina Tereshnikov being the first woman in space in 1963, women are still a minority among astronauts and the only people to ever land on the moon have been white men. NASA made a pledge last year that it would put a woman and a person of colour on the moon as part of the Artemis missions. The Artemis team is ethnically diverse and 50% are women and more broadly, the US Astronaut Corps is the most diverse in its history at this point, with women comprising half of the recent class and a quarter of the active core are people of colour. Back on Earth, it would be remiss of me not to also acknowledge the recent nomination of Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson to serve on the US Supreme Court. Judge Jackson is the first black woman to be nominated and let's hope that her nomination is successful. 
Well, that's a wrap for the third wheel. Thank you for tuning in. And I hope you'll join with Beck, Andrew and I in finding meaningful ways to break the bias this year. In the spirit of reconciliation, Herbert Smith Freehills acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Herbert Smith Freehills. For more episodes, please go to our channel on iTunes or SoundCloud and visit our website herbertsmithfreehills.com for more insights relevant to your business.